once again, and welcome back to Pastor Life Podcast from Pinnacle Leadership Associates. I'm Rhonda Blevins. I'm a Pinnacle Associate and Pastor of Chapel by the Sea in Clearwater Beach, Florida. And I'm David Brown, Pinnacle Associate and Pastor of the Welcome Table in Rock Hill, South Carolina. This season of Pastor Life Podcast, we're asking the question, what is the new normal or does it even exist? How do pastors and church leaders navigate church leadership amid the challenges of today's church landscape? We've explored a number of different areas from the very high level to the nitty gritty on the ground and uh, really asked this this question, what is and, and how do we live in the new normal? But today in particular, we wanna learn more about what's happening at the denominational level. How are folks who are guiding denominations, participating in denominational movements, how are they navigating the new realities uh, that we exist in? And in order to do that, we've got a great conversation partner today, and that is the Reverend Dr. Phil Tom. I'm so excited to bring uh, Dr. Phil Tom onto the podcast today. Phil is a personal friend, uh, especially through his role as the executive director of the International Council of Community Churches, of which my church is a part. He is also a consultant with Middle Collegiate Church in New York City. You may know that church. Sadly, it burned down in 2020, and Phil is helping them find their way into a rebuilding program. Before all of that, Phil served for many years, 13 years with the Presbyterian Church USA as the head of the Urban Ministry Office. He was 27 years as a pastor. He served in Obama's faith-based and neighborhood partnership team. He also currently has a board seat at the National Council of Churches because he is a denominational head. And to boot, um, he's also married to a PCUSA minister. So I would say Phil knows church. I'm so eager to uh, learn from Phil. It's been great just before we were getting on to record, got to just sort of meet him and I'm excited about what he'll bring to the table, and maybe through this conversation, we will learn a little bit more about this new normal and how we can navigate it together. So let's welcome to the podcast, Reverend Dr. Phil Tong. Welcome, Phil. We're so glad to have you as part of the podcast. Look forward to talking with you. Thank you. Glad to be here. So with all of that experience, it's hard for me to figure out a place to start. I'm thinking we may start with a future conversation. You have a seat among many, many denominational leaders through the National Council of Churches. And I wonder, when the heads of denominations get together, what do you guys talk about that maybe you don't share with the rest of us? I think the issue uh, affecting the National Council of Church, including the World Council of Churches, just has assembly a couple of months ago. Basically, the question is how to continue to be prophetic and to have this voice heard in the public arena. Basically, again, the question is who's listening to the National Council of Churches when it issues this public statements about a particular issue, social issue. The question is how to, how to be relevant. That's a, that's a real issue and challenge for the National Council and the World Council. It is a great time of fellowship, of supporting each other, resourcing each other. But the issue is 
how to be a public relevance that people will listen and respond. So that's the constant ongoing challenge that we wrestle at at our board meetings is whether we're talking about gun control, whether we're talking about abortion, whether we're talking about uh, voter rights. Uh, we do have a voice, you know, and we do have a place in the public arena. But is our voice loudly heard? And are people really, again, really listening to us? It strikes me uh, that that's probably not a question that the National Council of Churches was asking 20, 30, 50 years ago. I, I don't know. Um, it, it seems like that place in the larger culture and conversation for denominations or maybe for the church as an institution, it's clearly been waning. What are the ways that we begin to address that, uh, that, that idea of do we even have a, a hearing? What are some, some sort of practical things that we might do if it seems important to us to be collaborating as churches in the world, right? Yes. Well, from my political side, when I was working in Washington, D.C. for the Obama administration, a Presbyterian delegation came uh, to visit me and asked, again, how they could be more powerful in their public uh, voice in the public arena. And I said, you know, Presbyterian Church, you're a very small group, and, you know, politicians count numbers. And as you continue to shrink, you know, again, we know a few voices powerful, and young people have demonstrated that through their public demonstration of climate change. But again, for the church, ask them to show up on the street or in Washington, D.C., they don't. Uh, and so politicians, you know, basically say the church is not really a powerful force, even though they probably vote in great numbers. But in terms of public presence and public demonstrations, you know, that's, you know, when's the last time you see in the National Council of Church rally in any place, uh, either at Washington or a state legislature? Now, I want to contrast that. The state council of churches are much more powerful because I think it reflects the changing political arena. More of the legislative changes are happening at the state level. And so if you saw, or whether you're pro-choice or, you know, pro-life, you know, in Kansas and other states, it was local faith-based ecumenical councils that were working at the local level. So I think the issue, again, is that for ecumenical bodies and interfaith bodies, uh, I mean, again, their presence is important. Their voice is important. But at the same time, I don't think they have as much as a powerful influence at the national level as they do at the state level, if not even the local level. And let's look at our Christian brothers and sisters who are more conservative dealing with banning books in library or changing school curriculum. I mean, their voices are being heard. So contrast that to the mainline. They're, they're speaking loudly on their local, on issues at the local level, state level. They're speaking at the national level, but they don't have as much impact at the national level. Well, I think that's, you know, an important role that denominational entities can take because local churches have a tiny little bitty voice, but joining together can have a, a bigger voice with national sort of issues and topics. I also wonder what's the conversation about relevance of denominational entities when it comes to the local church experience? How are local churches um, finding relevance with denominational entities? 
Well, I think at the transition, um, I began working for the National Presbyterian Church in the early 1990s, and much has changed. Obviously, as our congregations get smaller and smaller, and two-thirds of Presbyterian Church, and I, I assume that, that uh, statistic is true for all the mainline churches, have membership under 100, you know, and that's membership on road, maybe smaller in worship. But the reality is more of our congregations are becoming congregational because they don't see a need for the denomination except when they need resources. And so there was a, a while ago an article about telling the, the Presbyterian Church, you know, stop regulating us, quit telling us you know, what forms we have to fill and what we have to do X, Y, and Z uh, process-wise. They just want help to how they can turn around their churches and grow. And again, the denomination is shrinking. And I'm just speaking Presbyterian Church, but I think that goes across the board for Protestant congregations. There are less and less resources, the resource congregations. So the local congregations are not seeing their, their national body as helpful as it was maybe 50 years ago in terms of the way it was able to provide dollars, technical assistance, and other resources to assist them. But at the same time, as you are members of Pinnacle Associates, the marketplace has also grown. People can go to a variety of places like Pinnacle for the resources they've sought for, coaching, mentoring, how to raise money, how to recruit volunteers, how to grow your church. So it's a competitive marketplace, and their denominations, as they continue to shrink, become less and less relevant to many of our smaller and middle-sized congregations. For the larger congregations, Again, they're, they're not that very much attached to the denomination because they're pretty self-sufficient in their resources. So that's the challenge right now for denominational life is, is that, uh, you know, the Presbyterian Church is going through another major downsizing. I served in the denomination, as I said, 13 years. We went through four major staff downsizing. And wow. so it's just problematic. And let's look at the United Methodist Church as they're going through their split. So, you know, that's the other issue. You know, local congregations don't like the denomination making statements on social issues that they don't agree with. So a lot of, a lot of factors uh, are affecting denominational life. And it basically, I think that in relation to the National Council of Church, the reason they're, they're, you know, they're getting smaller is because, again, the funding, the funding sources for the nations have shrunk dramatically. And so it's impacting not only local congregational life, but economic work. I'll preface this question with a, a little personal note. And uh, as Rhonda knows, and, and Phil, we were just talking about this before. So I, I am the pastor, one of the pastors of a, a small, but I would say in these days, average size, you know, less than 100 participants uh, congregation. We were a, a new church start, I guess you would call us, maybe uh, about a year and a half before COVID. And so we're still very uh, young in our life as a community together. And we have not been affiliated with a denomination up to this point in our life. Not that we would be kind of opposed to that. Um, a number of our people came from involvement with denominational churches, with big steeple churches, and for a variety of different reasons, uh, we're looking for a new way of being church. So I wonder how you would kind of look at the landscape for churches and denominations, what are some of the best ways that the symbiotic relationship is happening between churches and their denominations? 
I think when we're wrestling with this issue at the International Council of Community Churches, and basically, again, it's affirming that you, you solidarity, brothers and sisters, who not only share your faith values, but, you know, the tenets of the denomination, I mean, like the International Council, we affirm we're for racial justice and equity. You know, we're for ecumenism, we're for post-denominationalism. Those are values that we prize highly. And as I go out and talk to prospective congregations, as well as some of our ICCC congregations who are thinking about leaving the ICCC, that this is what we're about. It's a solidarity movement. I'm saying that almost denominations. Let's be a movement. It's not about institutional relationships. It's about joining brothers and sisters who share our values and who share the things we really affirm as members of God's beloved community. And so we come together in fellowship, supporting each other, resourcing each other, challenging each other, equipping each other so that we can continue to do God's work as members of ICCC. And that's true when I'm with the Presbyterian Church USA. I said, you know, you know, th these are the things we really have stood for. And there are social issues, but again, I'm believing that we're a reforming church, that we're not rigid. We believe that we're always being reformed. And there are some broad mm -hmm. uh, space to grow in that. So you may be pro-life, I may be pro-choice. But you know what? We have a big umbrella that we can all live as one family. We can learn to disagree because we believe in the Presbyterian system. So that's what you know. I would be saying in terms of that's what's happening, trying to affirm why we should have denominationalism. That's the same thing with the National Council of Churches. You know, we do want to have a, a broader public presence in the public arena. And when we join, you know, we're two or three together, yes, we can be very powerful and Christ is represented there and God's there. But, you know, if you have a couple of thousand, you, your voice can be louder. But again, we're speaking as members of, of the beloved community. Well, one of the positive things that I'm seeing, at least within our own network of churches, and I'll just pause there and say that the, you know, the group that Phil and I are a part of, the International Council of Community Churches, we don't use the word denomination. We use the word fellowship. Another group I used to be a part of, the Cooperative Baptist Fellowship, I think called themselves a network. And at one point there was a, a new phrase coined by the executive, a denomin network, which was kind of cute. Um, but one of the positive moves that I'm seeing is because of the challenges of sustaining, especially small groups, is that we're looking for partners. And so the solidarity you're talking about, Phil, um, it's actually kind of forcing us to look beyond our little narrow circles and see who else is out there that, that shares common interests and values, and maybe we can begin working together on some things. What would you say about that? Are are other groups doing that, or are we unique in that, Phil? I just uh, I preached at New Covenant Community Church in Akron, Ohio last weekend, one of our C church. It's a Presbyterian and C church. has two affiliations. And we have a number of C churches that has multiple affiliations, uh, Methodist, American Baptist, UCC. And I asked members of the board, how, how did you have this dual affiliation? And they told me that uh, a group of Presbyterians from a large church nearby left and joined the IC. We didn't care for that congregation for a variety of reasons. 
but then they decided to join this Presbyterian church, but they affirmed the IEEC value, and they wanted that to be incorporated as part of the, the DNA for this congregation. And so the Presbyterian congregation, basically, uh, that they were going to, to merge with, welcomed them. So I think that's probably happening at a local level. Churches that are basically not trying to survive, but to flourish, and looking to build new partnerships with churches of other denominations and figuring out how to, to live together so they continue to, you know, continue to proclaim God's word and do God's word. I see places like that, Presbyterian Episcopal Church, I know of up, up, upstate New York. I think it's happening. We, we just don't hear enough news of it, but I see glimpses of it. Yeah, it seems like to me, you know, several times in this conversation already, we've come back to this idea of the, the local level and how churches in their local communities are pursuing God's mission right there in their context. And they're, they're finding partners to do that with. And yes. um, I think sometimes denominations are a part of that. Um, sometimes mm -hmm. the DNA of a denomination is what inspires that, or resources from a denomination can, can help to uh, expand the possibilities for that. I mean, I think that's just a very hopeful movement within the church in 2022. And so, you know, just thinking back on this in my own personal experience, you know, for 12 years, I was on staff at a Baptist church that was, was not your grandma's Baptist church, especially in the South. And so we really partnered with all sorts of community mission organizations and with many mainline churches in our community, we would have much more easily connected with and partnered with those groups than we would have other Baptist churches in our community. And so I think that in an age where denominations are sort of resettling or reconfiguring or, or maybe even just right-sizing, like many churches are, you know, many churches are smaller than they were 20 years ago, especially in the mainline traditions. And we have to have to kind of resize ourselves uh, to be able to do our work in the best way possible. It seems like denominations are probably doing that. And all of us, whether it's on the denominational level, the local level, we're finding partners that help us to come alive to God's mission in the world. And I think that's really hopeful. Um, I don't know what you're kind of seeing in terms of that in, in the work that you do. I agree. I think denominations are reframing the way they work, their local congregations, and the funding and the training and the technologies is to help congregations, you know, who are, you know, whatever word you want, talking about transformation, revitalization, redevelopment. They're all about trying to equip churches to think differently about how they can partner, you know, with other groups and other congregations in their community again, to stay vital, to stay vibrant, to be a presence, uh, you know, God's presence in that community. You know, again, the resourcing is, help, is, is not simply how to be a stronger Presbyterian church, but how to be a stronger Christian witness in your community. You know, especially again, with a lot of smaller membership congregations, you know, that, that's a hard shift for a lot of them because they're so used to just, you know, being by themselves uh, and feel safe. But it's asking them to take a step forward in faith and take a risk and try something new and different. And the denomination is trying to do that. And I'm saying just for the Presbyterian Church, but again, I know that's true for other denominations 
you know, again, how do we resource? How do we equip? How do we help congregations reframe us? We're reframing our life about how we serve our congregation and then how the congregation serve their community so they can be a faithful witness. One of the things I keep thinking about in this conversation is the word denomination. Uh, If you think about the word, it means to divide, to denominate. And as we kind of move 20 years, 22 years into this 21st century, I wonder if the whole system of denominations is anachronistic, something of a bygone era. And now we're looking for unity. We're looking for the solidarity you were talking about, Phil. We're looking for partnerships. We're looking for ecumenism. And what are the opportunities for churches to do that, to be part of the bigger body of Christ instead of continuing to divide like our Methodist friends are sadly in the midst of doing? You know, this conversation got me thinking, so I didn't share earlier. I'm part of Trinity Church uh, Leadership Development Program. And so they just start this year, and it's sort of like Parallels Pinnacle Associates. They just start a clergy renewal program. So this is their first year. So they recruit 30 clergy, different denominations from across the globe. And so I'm coaching a Lutheran pastor in New Orleans who's trying to reach out to his community and is trying to do a full housing ministry and a feeding program. So here's an example. You know, he's Evangelical Lutheran Church of America. He's not looking to his denomination for resourcing or support. Trinity is providing that support, an Episcopal institution, because they've taken on that role. They feel like if the Christian witness, you know, Christian community is going to have a powerful presence in society and, and American life, they want to play a part in that. Again, let's talk about Lily Endowment, you know, you know, equipping and resourcing the seminaries and other ecumenical institutions to provide that kind of training for especially clergy, not just lately, but especially for clergy help them think differently, to help them think about how to change the mindset of their congregation, to go out into the community and, and build these kind of community partnerships in order to stay vibrant. And so it's not an intentional bypass of denominations, but it's just a reality check that denominations are not providing that kind of training that pastors need. So we have a lot of clergy peer group programs across the country. I was part of three of them, three Lilly projects, two in a seminary, and two at an ecumenical institution. And now with Trinity, you know, and Trinity is funding this. So it's interesting the way we think about denominations. And again, we have a lot of uh, organizations providing, you know, digital training, how to be a digital church and all that. Nothing connected to denomination, but that's a reality now that we're having people worshiping online and in person. So that's changing. So I don't think denominations are providing that kind of training. Is coming from other entities. And so, again, the marketplace is growing with those kinds of resource organizations uh, helping congregations think differently, act differently, to be powerful witnesses in their community. And I think it's also an environment where churches are interested and engaging those sorts of resources. You know, I think the pandemic, if nothing else, the pandemic sort of opened the the door to churches who maybe had been doubling down on the ways they'd always done things. Yeah, and this yeah. was their invitation to say, the world is changing so fast around us, the uncertainty, we need, we, we need to be open 
to how God is is moving and guiding us maybe in new ways. And so, you know, I think about the the work that we're doing through Pinnacle. You know, we've we've been a part of a, a Lilly grant with a seminary, and uh, it's it's involved Baptist churches, Methodist churches, Presbyterian churches, Lutheran churches, and so that open market uh, and that idea that there is opportunity out there, and churches seem to be taking advantage of those sorts of opportunities. So to me, it just seems like it's really a time of redefinition for denominations, for churches, for pastors, and we're kind of renegotiating some of those relationships. You know, I, I trust that God is a part of that and that uh, God has led yeah. the, the big C church through all sorts of transitions, and God's going to do it again, right? Amen, um, amen. As, as we say in the Presbyterian churches, we're reformed. That means God's constantly reforming, and we're constantly reforming. So that's part of our tradition, you know, that we're not stuck in one place. We're not a static church. That's right. I mean, I think all of us are in that spot. We need some reforming, right? We need some reforming going on. And uh, I think maybe maybe more churches, more disciples of Jesus are, are sort of open to that idea. Kind of as we bring the conversation to a close, I would just be interested. I don't know that we have any or many denominational execs who listen to the podcast. Maybe we do. Maybe we should send this out to them. But obviously a lot of pastors, maybe there's a denominational exec listening in. But I wonder if you have a word of hope or encouragement. Well, I am encouraged. I see across the country younger, uh, especially uh, people of color and uh, women who are moving into these executive positions at the state level and the presbytery levels. And they're bringing that fresh perspective. They're not about institution building. They're really about how do we equip our congregations, our pastors, our lay leaders uh, to act differently and to, you know, again, be the powerful presence that we, witnesses that we need in our communities. And they're preaching that and they're, they're changing the way they operate. They're putting more of their resource not into the maintenance issues. We just spend so much, uh, staff staff spend so much of the time in, in past and still current, you know, making sure people are voting the right way and they're making put a dot. We have committees, as you, I don't know if, for your Baptist background, we have committees on minutes, actually committees that read every congregation's minutes to make sure that they have done the minutes right. When they opened it with prayer or whatever, that's, that's important because they want to make sure that they're doing everything decently and in order, the Presbyterian way. But we're spending lay people's time working on that rather than talking about going out to the neighborhood, you know, to talking to people, to sharing, to discovering new partnerships, to, you know, just looking for new mission opportunities. We have to really rethink. I mean, all, all that bureaucratic stuff is important because you still want to maintain. But I think that just you need to spend more energy and shift the resources to, to the way we equip and resource our congregations. So I see hope in the new and emerging leadership that understands that and that have done it in their own settings from their pastoral situation, now moving to executive presbytery positions. So I just hope the denomination doesn't mess them up. <laughs> uh -huh. <laughs> uh, that they can be captured by the bureaucracy that could just paralyze them. So they're breaking through. They're breaking through. 
Well, Phil, thank you so much for being on Pastor Life Podcast. I appreciate you. I appreciate the work you do with our International Council of Community Churches. I know you do a great job in the other places you're serving. Thanks so much for being on the podcast today. Well, thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Well, that's it for this episode of Pastor Life Podcast. Uh, You can find out more about the pod or more about Pinnacle Leadership Associates at our website, pinlead.com. That's P-I-N-N-L-E-A-D.com. We always thank you for listening in, whether you're a pastor, a layperson, or even a denominational exec. We would love for you to reach out to us at pastorlifepodcast at gmail.com. Always love hearing from our listeners. It's been so good to continue in this series, Rhonda, with you and uh, with Phil today. And, you know, I don't know if we've gotten any closer to what a new normal might be, but it's, it's fun talking about it and exploring it. And I hope that our listeners will take something from today and uh, use it to be at work for God's purpose in their community.